I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how are we doing? Welcome back to another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. And as ever, I am your host, Harry Simiu. It's our press review show, the show in which we skim the back pages and scour the internet to find all the latest Arsenal-related transfer stories. We bring them to you, we relay them, but we also discuss them in a little bit more detail as well. We also go back and forward between myself and the chat. And then, of course, we'll be taking some of your questions towards the back end of the programme. Really, really looking forward to this one. But this is a show today where we're going to be talking more about outgoings than potential incomings, because a lot of the reports that have uh, dropped and that have been doing the rounds and have been a real point of discussion over the last 24 hours or so since we put out the last episode are with regards to players who could be moving on. So that's very much going to be the theme. We're going to be talking more about the mass exodus that is expected at Arsenal this summer, uh, you know, probably more so today than what might come in. But there has been an interesting revelation from a player that we were strongly linked with back during the January transfer window, and that is Dusan Vlavic. And we're going to be starting off with that story because Dusan Vlavic in an exclusive interview with The Telegraph, insists he never spoke to Arsenal. He never had any knowledge of Arsenal's interest and that maybe his agent knew, but he certainly didn't. He really sort of made the point that, you know, I I didn't know about Arsenal's interest. I wasn't interested in joining Arsenal at any point whatsoever. And actually, I only ever had eyes for Juventus. Now, half of that feels true because we know that Dusan Vlavic was very, very keen on the idea of joining Juventus and was very keen to make that transfer happen, particularly uh, during that particular window. But I find this really interesting because given the reports and the strength of those reports and the frequency with which they were coming out, I find it impossible to believe that Dusan Vlavic didn't even know or wasn't even aware of a rumoured interest from Arsenal. I feel like this is a bit of Dusan Vlavic kind of almost playing the game to the Juventus fans. You know, let's, let's, um, you know, let, let's make sure that everybody knows at this football club that, um, that this is where I wanted to go and this is where I wanted to end up. And I, and I get that. Like, I get what he's trying to do. But to say like, you know, oh, well, I didn't know about it. Maybe my agent knew about it and I just had no idea. Just seems far-fetched to me. I mean, the, the idea that a club the size of Arsenal would be willing to approach your current employer and put whatever it was, 60-odd million pounds on the table and your agent didn't even inform you suggests incompetence on the agent's part, doesn't it? I mean, surely it's his duty uh, to let him know. It's crazy. And um, and as Johan says in the chat, I think this is spot on, he can't pretend to not know at all. It was all over the news. Exactly. Um, you know, he might have said, I wasn't sure how concrete the interest was. But anyway, regardless of that, I only ever wanted Juve. That was where my heart was and that was where I wanted to end up. But to kind of dismiss all knowledge and all understanding of uh, of Arsenal's interest during that period, which we've had confirmed by some really, really strong uh, sources, this feels to me like like lies and unnecessary, but it's something that I wanted to touch on just at the start of this show because I know that there will be people out there who will use this, 
who will say, oh, well, you know, Dusan Vlavic uh, clearly didn't want to go to Arsenal because he didn't want to go and play for Mikel Arteta or he doesn't feel that his club's ambitious or whatever. You know, there's people that were will use this as a stick to beat Arsenal Football Club and Mikel Arteta in particular with. But I, I go back to what I said a moment ago, and it's interesting to see that that some of you guys agree, um, you know, in the, in the comments. Uh, Matt says, if his agent didn't tell him, then he should fire him. Absolutely. Uh, and Justin says, sounds like his agent needs to be fired. Uh, love this from Sasha, who says, uh, pandemic, really? Nobody told me about it. Quoting a, a hypothetical uh, Dusan Vlavic quote. Love that. Um John Daly says, would you make another offer for him now, Harry? And there's been a couple of you actually that have said in the chat, uh, you know, would I consider that? Would would that be something that I I think about Arsenal doing? And the answer is no, because it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to get him out of Juve at this point. Um, you're not going to get him uh, into the Premier League at this stage. He clearly, as I said, had his heart set on Juventus from the beginning. I think he's been a bit disingenuous by suggesting that he didn't even know or understand or hear of any Arsenal interest. But I just think that door is shut for me now. I mean, Juventus have no real need to sell him at this point. And so you're going to have to go absolutely batshit crazy with a figure that is just impossible for them to resist to even bring them to the table on this. Plus, we know that Vlavic wants to be there. So, you know, having seen his comments and having seen him almost only reinforce that desire and love for that club, yesterday. Uh, it seems uh, a bit of a waste of time for me. I know a lot of people say that sometimes you do something like that, you can unsettle someone and you can start a bit of a domino effect. And that's that's the way that you negotiate these days. And it's the, the modern game. But for me, it doesn't make a lot of sense at this stage. So yeah, just wanted to highlight those comments uh, from Dusan Vlavic, because as I say, not quite sure I believe him. I think somebody's telling porkies. But anyway, uh, let's say a few hellos before we continue through the remainder of our stories. A big hello uh, to Henry Guna, who says, uh, keep the faith, North London forever. Come on, you gunners. A uh, big hello to Richie, uh, to Steve, to Sasha, Sasha, sorry, who joins us from Warsaw, uh, to Justin, uh, to Junior Gunner, to Richard, uh, to Femi, to Sajid, to Rifa. Um who says, uh, just goes to show that this ITK game is all guessing. Big up you, Harry. Hope you're having a good day so far. Thank you so much, mate. But I don't I don't think in, in the, the Vlavic case, people were guessing. I think they obviously had it on good authority because it wasn't just sort of, you know, some of the questionable outlets that were reporting this. This was coming from some of the big boys as well, who will no doubt be tapped into the football club and will no doubt have their sources elsewhere. So I don't think necessarily with the Vlavic one, it was a case of, people making it up I think it's more likely that Vlavic is just not wanting to be drawn on that conversation whatsoever um, and wanting to reinforce the desire that he clearly showed already to join Juventus over anybody else I think he's trying to score some brownie points with the fans I think he's trying to um, you know come across as somebody who only ever had eyes uh, for the old lady and he and he clearly did because that's where he ended up and and it was pretty clear wasn't it early on in the negotiation or in Arsenal's attempts that their chances of, of bringing him to the club while Juventus were in the race was always going to be uh, very minimal. Uh, big hello to Lawrence, who says, afternoon, Harry, good to catch you live for once. Um, good to have you here, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, what else have we got? 
Uh, John says, new profile picture for me. The wife wanted to be seen. Uh, big shout out to both of you, mate. All the best. Uh, all the best. See, mine's the opposite. She doesn't want to be seen on anything YouTube or football or Arsenal related. Uh, there you go. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Mister says, I don't believe Arsenal put in a bid. Perhaps they didn't get as far as putting in an actual bid because although it's not really the right way to do business, it is the way that business is done nowadays. It used to be, and it, this, look, this is not football manager where you you make a bid for a player. Once the club accepts it, you're then free to discuss personal terms with them and then you take it from there. That's not the way it works anymore. Um, nowadays, clubs do very much go out there, put the feelers out, contact representatives informally, uh, but directly get an understanding, gauge an understanding of whether their client would be interested in a move or not and then they'll proceed to make a bid. Now, if Arsenal did pull, put out the feelers, if Arsenal did contact Vlavic's people and were told that, you know, he only has eyes for Juventus and that's a deal that's going to happen and so if there's no chance of this going through, then maybe they didn't put in an official bid. So that's not an outrageous thought. Um, and that's probably, in my opinion, the most accurate guess we can make. Um you know, I know no guess can be 100% accurate, but I think that's the most likely um, sort of account of, of probably what happened there. Uh, let's continue uh, through the chat box because lots of you are with us at the moment, which is fantastic. Uh, Sleeping Dragon says, uh, Vlavic hasn't set the world on fire with the move to Juve, to be fair, but surely it's way too soon for the player to move right now. Yeah, and I think he will be okay. I think Juventus in general had a really, really difficult campaign and, and Dusan Vlavic was obviously expected to come in and just take it all on his shoulders and, and power them forward. And, you know, they got better in the second half of the season. But, you know, Dusan Vlavic is one man and I think there was always going to be an adjustment period um, and, and I expect him to have a good season next season. I really do. Uh, above and beyond says top of the morning, Harry and friends and to you, mate. Um, brilliant, uh, brilliant to see you. Uh, Andy says... Harry, why do you assume Arsenal went for him? Looks like the board have taken us for mugs again. But why would they? Um, you know, why would they? Why would they make it public, or why would they want to put on this facade that they they went for a striker for us then to be or end up disappointed? Like, I I, I think a lot of people will look at it and say, well, Arsenal are trying to paint this picture that. Actually, we did try, but we just couldn't get the player we wanted. And so we didn't feel that it was worthwhile pursuing anybody else. We'd rather wait to the summer. But the flip side of that is the clamour for a striker increased even more once that Vlavic talk had come about. So it would it, it, that might have been the, atten uh, the intention to show that maybe we're being proactive and, and to give that impression to the supporters. But actually, I think it was probably counterproductive in the way that all it did was increase the noise around Arsenal bringing a striker in in that particular window and increase the pressure on Arsenal for the remainder of the window, having clearly missed out on Vlavic, if indeed they were in for him, to now go and get someone else. So I actually think that what you're suggesting is that, that the club put this out to try and earn some goodwill with the fans. I would argue that actually it did the opposite and caused them a lot more problems and a lot more noise um, to, to kind of block out and deal with as a consequence of that failed attempt uh, to sign Dusan Vlavic. But I guess we'll never really know um, how far down the line this was or, or how far 
down the line Arsenal um, got, if at all, in um, in their pursuit of him. Raphael Lim says this was the worst kept secret. Matt says, do you think Jesus knows we're after him? Can you use your connections to let him know? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, amazing. Amazing. Uh, big hello to Tony James. He says, hit the like button, Gunas. This guy's amazing. Thank you so, so much, mate. Uh, thank you for being here. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, and as Tony says, yes, please do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. There's nearly a couple of hundred of you with us live at the moment. But we've only got 31 likes on the board. Uh, so let's get that up as high as we possibly can. Uh, big hello to uh, Yorgos, who says some pictures showed Arteta is on his holidays. I don't think any transfers will happen anytime soon. I've been saying this for a few days now. I, I don't expect the significant movement to happen in the next few days. I, I think that towards the end of the month, you're going to start to see a little bit more movement, a little bit more urgency. And I think that goes for the transfer market in general. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. You know, the last couple of weeks, people have been on holidays, been winding down a little bit, um, you know, and, uh, and yeah, it's, um, it, it's a, it's a weird time because we as fans are like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, get this done. But, the players, the managers, the the directors, all these people that have been working around the clock and slogging away through a long, hard season are now in a place where they just need a bit of a break. Like, and and they're entitled that uh, to have that. And and clearly that's something that they do at the start of June. And um, and as I say, I think as time goes on, we'll probably um we'll probably start to see a bit more movement uh, as the wheels begin to turn. Okay, look, so that's the Vlavic stuff. Let's let's move on and let's talk a little bit about Lucas Torreira, who's obviously being heavily linked with a move away from Arsenal on a permanent deal this summer. Now, he spent last season out on loan with the Serie A outfit Fiorentina, whom apparently are interested in signing him on a permanent deal. Now, part of that initial loan uh, saw an option to buy clause inserted into that deal for 15 million euros. What does that mean? That if Fiorentina decided that they wanted the player, they'd be able to trigger that deal by offering 15 million euros. However, relationships between Arsenal and Fiorentina are now said to be strained after Fiorentina put in what Arsenal feel is an insulting offer of around about 7 million euros, which is about half, less than half, in fact, of what that option to buy clause uh, stated. Now, maybe Fiorentina's financial situation means they can't uh, offer the 15 million euros. Maybe they don't want to offer the 15 million euros. Maybe they don't feel that Lucas Torreira is worth that type of money when they think about their budget overall. But ultimately, this is said to have really pissed Arsenal off. Um, and Arsenal, according to the reports in Italy, haven't even responded to that offer and don't plan on doing so because they think it is a really uh, derogatory offer for a player that Arsenal clearly value at much, much more than that. So, you know, here I am sitting here kind of wondering how this Torreira deal is going to go through because, you know, we we know that finances are, are tight at Fiorentina. We've heard of interest from some other clubs, but, you know, when I look at the clubs that are being named, uh, the likes of Lazio and, and various others, Valencia, over in Spain, unless they move players on, I can't really see them going to 15 million euros uh, for Lucas Torreira. Now, this is not because Lucas Torreira is a bad player. 
But it's because for a couple of seasons now, it's been clear that he's not part of Arsenal's plans. He's seen very much as a peripheral figure. Therefore, he's seen as a bit of a, you know, when you go into a supermarket and you, you go into the sandwich section and if you buy a sandwich that's about to go out of date, it's got like a massive fat yellow reduced label on it. That's what this feels like with a lot of the players that we're trying to move on because, yeah, they've got their use and, and they can be good for you. But at this moment in time, it's clear that the shop, in our case, the club, are just trying to get rid. And so clubs are not going to pay you top dollar for your players, especially not at this stage in the window. Now, as the window progresses, perhaps they'll find themselves in a position where they become a little bit more desperate and a little bit more willing to go a little bit um, a little bit higher, you know, a little bit more willing to, to push that boundary and maybe go over what they initially planned on paying. But at this stage, it just... This, for me, is a, a real reminder. This and the whole Bellerin thing with Betis, right? When you think about the fact that both of those clubs like those players, both of those clubs have had those players at their disposal throughout last season. Both of those clubs want to make those deals permanent, but neither club are willing to meet what Arsenal value them at. It's not only because of the way we've treated the players and because of the way they're now seen um, in everybody else's eyes, but it's also an indication of the fact that outside of the very, very elite clubs, particularly on the continent, particularly in Italy and Spain, the club's financial situations are very worrying and very concerning. And that continues to kind of highlight why there is such a big disparity at the moment between the Premier League giants and everybody else in terms of what they can spend and what their financial power looks like. So this is another prime example of that. Look, I do think that Lucas Torreira will be sold this summer. I really do. Because I think that Arsenal are in a place where they just want to get rid of a lot of these players. And they've almost set a precedent by allowing so many, um, you know, to go and have their contracts terminated. And they've allowed so many to leave in cut price deals. They've almost sent a message out to everybody that, look, if we don't want this player, we will let them go in some way. And... And so why would you, as a club looking to sign that player, why would you go in and, and accept the first pushback? Why would you go in and, and accept the club's terms that have clearly shown over the last 12 months, 18 months, that they're happy to cut people loose by terminating their contracts and, and ultimately costing the club money? So this, to me, it just shows me that the the impact of what we've done previously has been sort of... Is, is there. It's there to be seen now because other clubs feel that they can now take the piss out of us. I saw somebody saying um, uh, Fiorentina are flush with cash after selling Vlavic. They're taking the piss. Actually, they're not. Uh, financially, they're not in a good place at all, um, as are a lot of Italian clubs. And actually, the, the Vlavic sale was a necessity in order to cope with some of the impact of the pandemic prior uh, for a club like Fiorentina. So, yeah, um, you know, I get that they've probably got more money than they're letting on, and I'm I'm not suggesting that they can't afford 15 million euros, but I do think that this is a consequence of the current climate we find ourselves in with regards to the finances of clubs on the continent, but also a consequence of the fact that, A, we've shown ourselves to be willing to just terminate contracts and cut people loose. So why wouldn't you hold tight and hope that we do that later on in the window? And essentially getting your player in a, either a cut price deal or for free. So why wouldn't you do that if you was the purchasing club? But also, it's the fact that these people have been clearly 
you know, cast aside, pushed aside by Arsenal Football Club in the last few years, which suggests that they're not important to us. And so why on earth are we going to sit there and demand top dollar? And why on earth is anybody going to meet those demands uh, as a consequence? So, yeah, that that's where we are on that. But uh, it's understood that that derisory offer, if you want to call it that, from Fiorentina has got Arsenal's backs up in the negotiations. Uh, let's say a big hello to Inny, who uh, has donated very, very kindly to the channel. Inny, thank you so, so much, mate. He says, I agree, Harry, funds are tight in Europe, but these clubs are low-balling. The value of Lucas Torreira and Bayerin have added is enough to make better offers. I, I agree with you, but I just think at this stage in the window, they're not going to back down now. Like, the player wants to go there, right? Torreira wants to go to Fiorentina. Bayerin wants to go to Betis. So both of those clubs are negotiating from a position where they know that the player wants them and will push for them. So that's one thing they have to their advantage. The other thing is the precedent that Arsenal have set, which I keep talking about in recent years. And thirdly, they know that we don't really value the players as important members of the squad. They also know it's very early on in the window. And as time passes, the desperation from Arsenal to get rid of them, to move them on, maybe to clear the decks in order to bring in other players is going to increase. And therefore, they'll be able to take advantage of that situation. It's why I always say the transfers don't always just happen bang as soon as the window opens, because there is shit like this at play all the time. It's so, so, so complicated. It really, really is. Um, so that's the latest on Lucas Terreira. Let's talk a little bit about Nuno Tavares, who is being linked with a move away. Now, there's been a lot of talk over the last few months about the club's uh, reported willingness to allow him to leave on loan in order to try and rebuild himself, get the experience that he needs, uh, and then hopefully be able to come back to Arsenal a much better, a much more complete player. We're now hearing from Italy that Atalanta have emerged as one of the clubs interested in the Portuguese fullback. And I think this would be a really, really good move for him. Why? I'll explain. I think that A, Nuno Tavares for me is a wingback, not a fullback. Two very, very different positions. Wingback is a position that allows you to more so showcase your attacking qualities uh, as opposed to you know, having to be defensively tight, sturdy and tucking in alongside people. That is what Nuno Tavares is better at. Now, I don't even think he's the complete player going forward. I think he's a bit raw sometimes. I think he makes the wrong decisions. I think he does lots and lots of crazy things. He has blood rushes to the head, smashes balls way over the top of the crossbar because he got excited uh, having arrived in the final third. I get all of that. But I do think if I had to pick offensively or defensively, what is Nuno's biggest asset I'd say it's offensively so in an Atalanta side where he'd clearly be able to play at wing back I think he'd have a good chance um of uh, of showcasing what he can do without as Jay says in the comments being too exposed I also think that there is no better place in world football to go um if you want to brush up your positioning brush up your tactical understanding and brush up on your defensive shape than the Serie A. I think it's the best place in the world for that. And I think it would be a really, really good education for Nuno Tavares to go over to Atalanta and work under a coach like Gasparini and work uh, in, in Italy where, you know, there is 
I believe, a lot more emphasis tactically on, on your shape, on your formation, on your role. So I think that for me, um, this would be a really, really good move for Tavares. But with the caveat that Arsenal go and bring somebody in. We cannot afford to leave ourselves short in the left-back position, given what we know about Kieran Tierney's tendency to pick up injuries. So if you're going to go out and you're going to bring somebody in who can play in that position, or you're going to bring somebody in elsewhere that frees, for example, a Tomiyasu up to go into that position if needs be, then, then fine. But something has to happen. Something has to happen here uh, for Arsenal to be able to facilitate Nuno Tavares going out on loan, which I do think would do him good, but only if it's not at the expense of the greater cause at the, the expense of Arsenal, because that is something I definitely do not want to see. Staying on the uh, subject of um, Serie A, uh, another Arsenal player being linked with a permanent move, this time to the Rossonieri, to the champions. AC Milan is Pablo Marie. Now, he has spent the second half of last uh, season out on loan at uh, Udinese, who are rumoured to be unable to afford him or maybe unwilling to pay what Arsenal are looking for. But he is being linked with a move to Milan. Now, listen, it's a huge club. It's a glorious club. It's one of, when you think about European football royalty and you're a bit of an old man like me, Milan is one of those clubs that comes to your mind. Milan is a club with its name in lights. They've just won their first Scudetto in a long, long time. They're back at top of the pile Brilliant job being done there by a number of people who have overseen this rebuild, which consists of a mixture of really young, exciting up-and-coming players, but also some experienced heads in the likes of Olivier Giroud, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and a number of others. This is a club that would be a real appeal to a lot of people at the moment. But why I'm unsure about this is that I don't know what kind of role Pablo Marie plays at Milan. You think about it this way, right? The reason he wanted to move from Arsenal and the reason he wanted to go elsewhere was to play regular football. And he got that opportunity at Udinese. But will he get that opportunity at Milan? I don't think so. I think they'd be bringing him in very much um, with the view to him being a squad player. And so I would then question why that makes sense for Pablo Marie, someone who's been quite vocal in the last year or so, um, with regards to his desire to play week in, week out. So it doesn't quite fit for me, this one. Um, but, you know, if that's where he wants to go and he thinks he can fight for a place, it's a huge club. It's a great club and, and you can understand the appeal. But I just, th there's that thing in the back of my mind um, that just that just thinks this, you know, this, this isn't the right fit. And, and a few of you point out that, you know, they do or they will be playing in the Champions League. Yeah, but I still wouldn't even back Pablo Marie to start in European competition. So, uh, as I say, the, the stumbling point for me in this one and getting my head around this one is the problems that he's had at Arsenal, the issues that he's complained about at Arsenal with regards to his role are going to pretty much be the same issues that he's going to have at Milan, in my personal opinion. So I don't really get this one, but we'll keep an eye on it, of course, as as things move. Um, also wanted to talk about Bern Leno, um, that report, those rumours of him joining Fulham not going away at the moment. It's said that he prefers to stay in London and Fulham have made an approach, as per David Ornstein the other day, we touched on it, uh, to try and sign the German. And I said this at the time. I said that, you know, when we first talk, talked about this story, touched on this story, I said that I felt that a move to Fulham was probably below Burton Leno. And I didn't mean that disrespectfully. 
I just think he's a much better goalkeeper than that. But when I kind of did a bit of research and tried to understand or, or, or kind of gauge how much interest there may or may not be from elsewhere, I didn't really come up with an awful lot. Um, Hertha Berlin was another club that I read were, were interested in Leno, which would obviously give him the opportunity to return back to Germany. But, you know, we, we keep hearing and we keep being told that he actually quite enjoys London life and he's very, very happy to be here. I just, I thought that there would be more clubs of a higher calibre that would be knocking on the door for Burton this summer because I think he is a very, very good goalkeeper. I think that he has a few shortcomings. I think all all players, all goalkeepers do. Um, and, and I think that he's just at the moment not best suited to the way that we want to play. But he is a brilliant shot stopper. He's capable of winning you matches. We've seen it time and time again um, over the years. And, you know, with Bern Leno, this is one that we're going to want to get some money in for. You know, this is not a player that we're going to want to allow to go on the cheap. Um, you know, but again, a player is only worth what somebody is willing to pay. And I think with Bern Leno's contract due to expire at the end of next season, we're not in a really good, strong position for negotiation here. I think if we can get eight to ten million pounds for Bern Leno, I think that the club would probably take that given that he... Um, you know, he, he probably does want to move on due to a lack of game time. We've got Matt Turner coming in. Is he a good enough uh, deputy for Aaron Ramsdale? I'm not so sure about that, as I've recently discussed on a recent episode. I don't, I don't know. You know, you'd love to keep hold of Berlino because I don't think there's probably a better second choice goalkeeper in the Premier League right now than Berlino. But he obviously doesn't see himself as a second choice goalkeeper and really, nor should he. So he's going to want to move on and he's going to He's going to want to go elsewhere, I'd imagine. But is Fulham the right place? Not sure. Not sure about that. I'd be surprised if he signs for them. I really would. But as I say, when I did try and dig a little deeper into this, there wasn't an awful lot coming up in terms of rumoured interest from elsewhere. So it doesn't sound, at least to to the public eye that or to the public ear, like there's a hell of a lot of interest doing the rounds for him at this moment in time. And the other bit I wanted to talk about was our good friend, Matteo Genduzzi, who just won't stop talking about Arsenal. Like, mate, you're on your way out. You're done. You're joining Marseille. We get that you want to pretend that you love the club, even though you're an ex-PSG boy. We get that you want to, um, you know, you want to endear yourself with the fans. And we get that you don't like what happened to you at Arsenal. And we get that you don't particularly like Mikel Arteta. But he's coming out and saying stuff like, I'm so confident that Saliba will be at Arsenal next season. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I'm so confident that Saliba will join me back at Marseille next season, etc., etc. What is this based on? You know, I said earlier on in the window, um, well, no, the window only opened the other day, but I said earlier on in the summer that, you know, for me, there was a chance that William Saliba could be sold. I think what was said by Mikel Arteta and what has subsequently been said by William Saliba has put people's minds at rest with regards to that possibility. Doesn't mean it's completely off the cards and that it's definitely not going to happen. But Guendouzi just needs to pipe down. Like, come on, man, we get it. We get that you don't like Arsenal anymore. We get that you feel wrong. We get that you got a problem. You're getting your move to Marseille. It's it's on the cusp of happening. Go and enjoy yourself. Focus on your own game and stop talking about Arsenal uh, just to, to keep yourself relevant. Like, it's it's embarrassing. And, um, you know, these types of comments are just not helpful and are designed to do one thing, and that is to disrupt and to cause negative speculation. And he's done exactly that. He might feel it's a little bit of revenge 
uh, for the way Mikel Arteta sort of bombed him out of the club. But at the end of the day, it just shows what we've a lot of us have said uh, about Matteo Genduzzi, which is that there is a clear lack of maturity there. And um, and he probably spends way too much time getting involved in things that don't concern him. This is another example of that. Look, guys, we've got uh, over 360 of you watching me live right now. Big hello to every single one of you. If I could just ask uh, very kindly, could you please hit the like button on the video? Let's try and get up to 150 likes. There's no reason why we can't achieve that. Also, if you're new to the channel, please, please do subscribe. Okay, let's take some of your questions. Let's take some of your thoughts for the remaining 15 or so minutes of the show. And I knew uh, that once I mentioned Matteo Genduzzi, uh, we're going to get uh, some uh, some trolls in the comments. So let's, uh, let's address uh, some of that. GB says, why does he have to pipe down? He's about that petty life. Arteta isn't his favourite person. Because the reason he has to pipe down is because he's not impacting just himself. Like, he's not talking about his own career. You're Matteo Genduzzi, mate. You can talk about whatever the hell you want that concerns you. But the minute you start, like, you're dragging William Saliba into your petty nonsense, basically. You've got a problem with the way you were treated at Arsenal. You probably have some sympathy for William Saliba, who you've grown to become quite close with due to your time at Marseille. And you probably feel some sympathy towards his situation and maybe that he was uh, mistreated by the football club. But Arsenal have come out and said he's staying. He's come out and said he's staying. So what good are you doing for your mate and your friend and your colleague by stirring the pot again? Nothing. It's a selfish act from Matteo Genduzzi in order to try and get one over on Arsenal. And I wouldn't have a problem with it if he was talking about himself. I actually quite like players that are a little bit outspoken, that are a little bit, you know, on the edge. I do. I really like all that stuff. I think that sometimes that's what fuels people to go on and achieve brilliant things. But I think in this instance, my big issue with it is that you're now impacting potentially and causing speculation around the future of somebody else, not yourself. And what right does uh, little old Matteo Genduzzi have to do that? None, in my opinion. Big hello to VT. He says, great show as always, Harry. Keep up the great work, mate. Thank you so, so much. Um, what else have we got? Uh, um, Vlad says, Harry, what is your opinion on Marcelo Flores? He's looked promising at under 23 uh, and Mexico national team level. I'm really looking forward to seeing him break through this season. Yeah, he missed a penalty, didn't he? Uh, I think it was last night. And there was a lot of talk about that. But ultimately, look, this is a really young lad who's shown a lot of promise, a lot of potential. And I think that just like Bukayo Saka, you know, you, you do miss a penalty on the highest stage. You can see it as a real negative or you can turn it into a positive by taking all the learns and the lessons from it. And he is a player that I've heard a lot about in recent times. He's a player that I'm quite excited to watch develop over the next few seasons. And, uh, and I'm delighted that he's ours. I'm delighted that we have him. But yeah, um, I'd be lying if I said I've watched an awful lot of him or if I know an awful lot about him. But from what I hear, from what I see, from what I read, from what I understand, he's a real exciting prospect. And it's great to see him even participating for the Mexican national team at this age, um, regardless of, of the details of that performance. I think that's a testament to how good he is um, and, and what an impression he's making at the moment. 
let's see what else we've got. Uh, Adam Daniel says, Harry, are you concerned that the other clubs are signing world-class players early in the window? Um, yes and no. Um, I think that when you think about the ones that have signed world-class players, you're, you're probably referring to Manchester City, who have brought Erling Haaland in. And you're probably referring to Liverpool, who are on the cusp of completing the Darwin Nunez deal. Here's what I'd say. Those two clubs have been so elite in the last few years that it's a really easy sell for them. It's really easy for Manchester City, with all their riches, but also their recent success, to convince a player that this is the place for them. And the same can be said for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, who, mind you, by the way, Jurgen Klopp once said that the day a striker went uh, for something close to £100 million, he'd probably retire because this isn't the game for him, only for him a couple of seasons later to go on and, near, and, and sign one for just below that amount of money. Funny how the world changes, isn't it? But the point I'm trying to make here is that for those two clubs who have been incredibly successful, have a brand, have a... Um, a reputation at the moment. It's easy to convince players that that's the place to be. And when you've got the financial muscle that City do, and when you've got the power that Liverpool do, clearly to go and spend uh, £85 million plus on a striker, it's easy to get that deal done, isn't it? Um, you know, Arsenal are in a different bracket. We don't have A, the money to do deals like that. Uh, not like the Nunez one anyway. Um, we can't do that financially. And we don't have the, the reputation that both of those clubs have now and the recent success uh, to kind of show the club in the right light. There's a lot more convincing that needs to be done from Arsenal. Um, there's a lot more negotiating that probably needs to be done with regards to Arsenal trying to bring in top, top players. And uh, and that's just the way it is at the moment, mate. Like, um, you know, I always say this, you, you can't always be obsessed with what other clubs are doing. You've got to look at your own situation and try and make your judgments based on that. And, um, I still think it's way too early to get too crazy about it. Uh, Alex says, if Arsenal end up having to sign one of the non-performers from last season that we were linked with, an Isak Enesiri or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which would you choose? Why? And would it worry you? Um, I think of those three, I'd probably go with Enesiri. And, and the reason for that is because I think that, first of all, yeah, he underperformed a bit last season, but... At the end of the day, I think Enneziri is probably the most attainable for a reasonable amount of money. Therefore, there's the smallest risk of the three. Calvert-Lewin will cost a bomb and Isak has got a release clause that Real Sociedad have made it clear they have no intention of uh, of relaxing their stance on. So I think that would probably be the one I go for based on a couple of things, based on what I believe his abilities are as a player, etc., um, etc. Et and uh, And second of all, um, you know, the fact that uh, I think that, you know, he, he can be attained for, for a reasonable amount of money. Uh, Lynn says, did you get my email, Ari, your hay fever? I didn't, but I haven't. Was it on the Chronicles of Aguna email? Was it chroniclesafc at gmail.com? Because I haven't checked that for a few days, in which case I'd have missed it. Um, but I will check it out. Thank you so, so much. Really, really uh, do appreciate that. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, uh, someone asking me if I've talked about the Ossie bid. I don't believe that there has been an Ossie bid at the moment, in my personal opinion, and based on um, what I know. So I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to get too sucked in on that at this stage. I don't want to get too carried away. I maintain what I've said throughout this uh, this summer regarding Victor Ossie I think when you're dealing with Aurelio De Laurentiis, you're going to have to pay 
over the odds. I don't think Arsenal are going to be willing to pay over the odds for Victor Osimhen, although I do think he's a very, very good striker um, and a striker with a lot to offer. I mean, Johan says it was reported by AFTV. Is that all it was reported? The only people it was reported by? Listen, AFT do what they do and they do their thing. Good luck to them. But I, I wouldn't look at them as a reliable transfer source um, if I was kind of trying to, to gauge how credible or not credible this story might be. Uh, Jid says, which current squad outcast do you think has the best chance to have an Elneny-esque renaissance to their Arsenal career? That's a really fucking good question. I like that. Um, oh, I mean, I would have said Torreira. You know, I, I would have thought that in this new system that we play, and, and what I mean by a new system is with Partey sitting at the foot of it and then two midfielders either side, I would have thought that Torreira would have been a lot more suited to that because I think he's better being a bit more box-to-box -box than just defensive because I don't think he's physical enough to be solely a defensive midfielder. But I also don't think he's amazing going forward. So somewhere in between would be the right fit. So I would have, you know, that would be the one for me that I think can have a role in this squad. But it's, it's been clear for a long, long time. Let's have it right that Lucas Torreira, um, you know, doesn't want to be an Arsenal player anymore and, and doesn't want to be in London and for all the reasons that we've discussed previously on numerous occasions. But yeah, I am, um, you know, I, I don't think any of them really, um, if I'm, if I'm trying to give you an accurate answer, if, if I'm thinking about it hypothetically, I think that Torreira could be a fit, but ultimately, um, I, I don't think that that any of them have a future at Arsenal. I think they'll all go. I think what will happen is it, it will drag out. It will take a while um, and we'll get towards the end of the window before we see those moves actually confirmed. And that's that's what concerns me about this transfer window. It doesn't concern me that we haven't done business yet because it's only June. What concerns me is that there are just little rumblings that Arsenal or, or part of Arsenal's transfer budget this summer that they've kind of earmarked is reliant upon moving some players on and we've heard that for a few seasons now and it's been incredibly frustrating and what often happens is that those deals get delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and they frustrate and then we get to the point where we don't have enough time to then do what we need to do or we're so desperate to get them off the wage bill that we let them go and cut price deals that don't really benefit us or we terminate their contracts and I'm fearful that some of our business not all of it because I think there is some money there anyway but I think that some of our business could be stalled by the fact that these deals with regards to outgoings are just seeming to take an absolute age um, and are, are no closer, in my opinion, to being completed than they were maybe three, four weeks ago, which is a bit of a worry. But there you go. OK, uh, I'm going to take uh, one or two more. Um, just going to pick uh, some random ones. Uh, Justin says, uh, would you try to bring in Lukaku? if Chelsea were willing to let him go for a decent price. I think Lukaku can do a job in the Premier League. I really, really do. Is he perfect? No. Um, is he? Has he got shortcomings? Yeah, of course he does. But he's also got a hell of a lot of strengths. And I think that this is a guy who, throughout his time in the Premier League in years gone by, has proven that he can score goals with regularity. I said when he was at Manchester United that, for me, I didn't think he was a sophisticated enough striker to lead the line for a club like United. He went to Inter and he really improved in that in that way, I thought. I thought tactically he, he was much better. I thought he got into really good positions. I thought 
Um, his game just took on another level of sophistication. And then when he joined Chelsea, I thought that was a cracking signing because I thought that that was the kind of signing that would propel him onto a title challenge. And it just hasn't worked. And it's become more and more apparent over the course of the season that Thomas Tuchel maybe doesn't know, um, you know, what what exactly, uh, you know, is, is the best way to get the maximum out of him. I don't think that Lukaku's overly happy with the fact that he's been brought in as this big money signing and almost not trusted by Thomas Tuchel in some of the big, big games. I think it's a combination of things at Chelsea that have led to it not working. I'd try it out at Arsenal, but it'd have to be a really cut price deal because I don't know that I'd be willing for Arsenal to throw a huge amount of money at this and um, and take a, a really big and risky gamble. So, yeah, um, a player that I think would actually do OK at Arsenal and I wouldn't be adverse to signing, but I don't see them lowering the price enough to make it an appeal uh, to the Gunners would be my uh, my opinion on that. OK, we are going to leave it there. We're going to be back uh, later on today uh, with a members mailbag episode. So if you are a member of the channel, which you can do so, by the way, and become by clicking on the link in the description, you will have access to our Discord server. If you go in there, there is a tab called the members mailbag where you can drop your questions and your thoughts uh, for me to answer in our members mailbag special shows. There's a show dedicated to our members questions only. Um if we get time, we'll take a few from the chat as well, but it will be mainly focused and centred around those questions uh, put to us by the members. Uh, we haven't done one in a few weeks, which is terrible on my part. Um, so we're going to get one out today. And also, if you are a member and you fancy joining me on the members mailbag show today, uh, I've popped a little message in the Discord server as well. And uh, if you're interested, uh, first come, first served, I'll try and get a couple of you on uh, with me so we can discuss the questions in the chat. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much. Don't forget to hit that like button if you haven't done so already. We're eight shy of that 150 like target. So let's get that done ASAP. And I'll see you all a little bit later on today with more. Until then, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.